I um, am looking into getting microphones, but microphones are expensive. Okay, but uh, depending on what kind you look for, I found, uh, I have a USB, or sorry, yeah, I have a USB input, like, condenser mic mm -hmm. for recording and stuff like that, um, that I got for, like, 30 bucks. Yeah, I am, like, trying to find, uh, like, Bluetooth microphones, mm -hmm. um, which I know exist, and I've seen them. I'm literally just, like, I'm literally just too lazy to, like, look up, press, add to cart, and buy them. Um, but that's, like, what I would really like. That way I can keep... You don't obsessively look at Amazon? No, I don't. I don't use Amazon. I don't <laughs> want to. I'm better than you, Krista. I mean, no arguments. <laughs> All I'm saying is that, like, one, they designed the game. Like, that's... I'm merely playing it. Also, I just... Mm-hmm. There is, I mean, things are already hard enough without, yeah. like, like, it's a lot harder for me to get out in the car and go and go get a thing and go to a local, which I would love to, but because of the way that it's all set up, like, if local businesses would put things online mm -hmm. or, like, um, things like that, like, I would, uh, that would be so much better, but also a lot of times due to my massive ADHD, <laughs> like, half the time when I order something, it is because I have gone past the time mm -hmm. in which I could have very easily purchased it in a car, yeah. like, and driven out someplace, and now I need it, like, the next day. Wrapped in a box Yeah, like, bow. given to me, like, yeah. And, I mean, I, even as far as, like, groceries and stuff like that, because, like, mm -hmm. I had a bunch of people come over um for rehearsals or whatever and um I needed to change my cat box but I had I was at work they were coming over at seven I would maybe get home by 6 45 there was no way I was gonna go mm -hmm. like make it to the store or anything yeah. like that so I amazoned like cat litter so that the cat litter like same day or whatever yeah so that it was waiting by the time I got home and oh like, yeah that's I Oh, yeah. I, I like, 100% think that, you know, there is very good reason to be using a lot of that. I mean, we use Instacart um, yeah. for, like, our... Like, I haven't been to the grocery store to, like, get a cart and go grocery shopping in, like, months. The grocery like, store is already exhausting enough for me. Oh, I just, see, I, I miss it. I do really love grocery shopping. I have to be on the phone with someone when I go grocery shopping. I love... It's, like, my... I am such a, like, that, this is, see, this is another thing where, like, I just know that I was meant to be, like, a trophy wife, because <laughs> I go into a Kroger, or, oh my god, you send me into a turnip truck by myself. I've never been in one of those. You would probably hate it. You'd probably go in, I and you'd like be, like. grocery stores. I don't like to grocery shop. It's okay. Just, or rather, it's not that I don't like to. It is just. It is an exhausting... So you... Okay, go to turnip... Okay, you might like it then. Go to a turnip truck just to browse. Just to look around and, like, look at all the cute little, like, packages of vegan jerky and, like... For, um, for, like, like, packaging. Same. Like... That's... Okay. That's, like, the problem nowadays is people, are, people know this now. And yeah. so... 
the marketing just, on some of this shit is insane. I just paid $15 for, because I had to get deodorant, right? Mm-hmm. Um, same day with the Cavalier thing. Um, so I was just like, everything that I need at the store, I'm just going to get it so that it's already home. And that just knocks a whole chore off my list. Yeah. Um, but uh, there was a, um, I need deodorant. And yes, I could get the like 96 cent mm-hmm. like degree whatever it smells like baby powder and I absolutely know works did I add that to my cart I absolutely did but also there was an <laughs> like no aluminum uh-huh. uh essential oils like rose vanilla like thing for 15 bucks and I'm like you know mm-hmm. I, I did my taxes I, I do it I could do it so I did and then I got it and it's shit yeah it's awful <laughs> Oh, yeah. But it's, like, it was so pretty, though, because, mm-hmm. like, it's got that, because people, I feel like, like, uh, like, advertisers and marketing, like, has their, like, their finger on, like, the vintage, like, oh, yeah, this looks organic, homemade, or whatever, because it's, like, a dark brown yeah. bottle with, like, that, like, vintage paper around it with, uh-huh. like, old-fashioned, like, watercolor roses and mm-hmm. stuff like that, and I'm, like, I'm I was like, like this it looks, looks like it smells like my grandma's attic, which is exactly what I would love for my armpits to smell like. Yeah. Um, it's the problem is is that now the millennials are old enough to get marketing jobs mm-hmm. and they have good taste and so they're doing all this shit. Also, more women are getting these jobs and better. women are better they're better. Like, okay. And that's the problem. We should get women out of the workforce because this is so bad for my money. money. Because the advertising, the marketing is too good. Women are too good at selling me stuff. The girl bosses out here are taking over and we need to stop them I'm just before saying, my bank account is drained. I mean, uh, impulse shopping is, is already an issue for me, but like... The fact that I am susceptible to, like, these wildly different, like, demographics of, mm-hmm. like, um, of advertising lanes. Like, you've got your, uh, like, organic vintage, um, this looks, co- like, uh, like, distressed cottage core yeah. kind of thing. I'm like, oh, yeah, cool, all right. Um, then you have the, um, the, like, flat-out ni- late 90s, early 2000s, like, inflatable furniture oh my god plastic necklaces like oversized t-shirts with like random nonsense on it Mm -hmm. um like you have that then you have your like uh goth swampy Mm -hmm. bones does it look like it came out of a graveyard because that sounds neat Mm -hmm. um and then uh you know things that glow in the dark um, yeah, that's neon. That is like, your personality. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, that being said, hey guys, welcome to the A Few of My Favorite Things podcast. I'm your host, Macy, as always. And today I am sitting here uh, with my, dare say, friend, Ooh. Uh, co-worker. Um, Advanced co-worker. I will, I will say it. I'm sitting here with my boss. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hanging. I, I have my boss sitting in my living room right now. Krista, what is up? <laughs> oh, you know. 
I, we had a conversation about it. Why would you say that? <laughs> it's the worst question. How are you doing? I have no idea how to answer this question. Um, I'm, 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 I'm here. I exist. I like your apartment. I think you have good vibes. Um, Thank you. I, That's all I ever wanted to hear. I worked a full shift in downtown Nashville, so um, <laughs> I am appropriately um, soulless, I guess. Mm-hmm. That is um, one of the things we definitely have in common now. Um, is, uh, I, I think I have a little bit of my soul left, um, because I'm a redhead, I was already at advanced stages of losing my soul. Mm. Um, the myth is not true. We're not soulless. We're just soul. Soul minimal. Yes. Soul, uh. Light. Light. (laughs) L-I-T-E. Zero. (laughs) It's soul zero. Soul zero. Um, and then when I started working with you at the undisclosed location that we work at. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I I think successfully it is being completely sucked out of me. I don't mind it that much, which uh, it, I think the only reason that I am as exhausted as I am is just purely because it's the middle of, pan- like, or we're in a pandemic or whatever. So there's a level of stress that is just, like, always there. Mm-hmm. Outside of that, like, pre-pandemic, I love, like, I get, I'm natural, I'm very much an extrovert, so, like, I get, you know, all pumped mm-hmm. and shit. But then, like, it's mostly, I like the environment because I get to scream at people. Mm-hmm. So there's that. But I don't take any of their stuff home. It's that, um lack of empathy that I have. I just genuinely yeah. do not care about them as like as I wish humans. yeah, I'm I am pretty good at not taking home anything, but mm-hmm. like if there if it's like you know, a a lot happens in a day, mm-hmm. a lot of dealing with people of a certain variety. Right. Um I will just accidentally bring it home and be like God, I feel God, like, damn it. but well, then I mean, give I me an hour and a beer and I'm fine. So a bath for me, mm-hmm. like if I can soak in a bath, uh, then I'll be fine. But uh, I, it's it's not terrible. It's just it's just the pandemic. It's just mm-hmm. the the. There's going to be confrontation every day yeah. about something, and while I still get to yell, like there's still that like stress. It's like going home and your parents are mad Mm -hmm. like it's just that level of stress like you know that every day that you go into work someone's gonna be mad and even if it's not your fault like you just don't want to deal with it yeah why can't you be chill Mm -hmm. um um is there anything else that you would like to share with the class on who you are what you do what um what are your biggest dreams and goals um when was last time you cried um jesus any of that really you can say any of that let's see who i am as a person i am i'm a trash goblin like (laughs) that's that's just who i am as a person whatever you think a trash goblin is that is 100 percent accurate like always um my biggest dreams i don't believe in having fully formulated plans for the future because, um, I don't know, 
shit happens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you might get into a wreck. Hmm. Your apartment might flood. Um, yeah. Within like 30 days. Yeah. Uh, so having plans, having ideas is much better. And then just adapting the roads to said idea or allowing the idea to like adapt is mm-hmm. better. Um, and I don't know if I would call them dreams, but I do have really weird dreams that are strange and cinematic. Um, but like one where I escaped from Antarctica to China in a white whale so I could become a swamp wrestler. Um, and then the last that time really I... happened, Krista. <laughs> what? Uh, they just it's like men in black erased my memory. That was last was month. Look, a lot has happened. <laughs> uh, last time I cried was I was watching. I was watching TV. I I will okay. solidly. All right. That's what it was. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for all of that. You're um, welcome. it's really it's been really good having you on the podcast. Um, I'd love to have you back again. Thank I think you. this was the shortest solid. episode ever. That's awesome. The end. I'm out. All right. But <laughs> I am excited to have you on. Because in the short amount of time that we have known each other, we very quickly realized that we uh, have a lot of loves that are the li- that are alike, mm-hmm. um, that we have bonded over, That's true. one would say. I've absorbed your TikTok dance moves. <laughs> I, it's not even TikTok dance moves. It's just... It's just like the robot. It's just what I do. Just like and then um, it happens to be on TikTok, too. That's true. I can't help that I am just leading. Iconic. I am an icon, okay? I'm not even making the TikTok videos and they just happen, okay? They just happen. Um, but yeah, so I am very excited to find out what we're talking about today. I don't know yet. I have a few ideas in my head of what it could possibly be, but either way, whatever it is, you know a lot about things anything that you like and even things you don't like you know a lot about so I know you're gonna it's not just gonna be like yeah um I like this thing I don't know that's it like I know you're gonna give it you're gonna give me a lot so Krista yes what is one of your favorite things um I feel as as if as if (laughs) it will come to no surprise to you that um I love Stage combat and swords. Yes. <laughs> I 100% like that is uh, a, an, an unintentional driving force of my entire life. I love um, it. It's there. Yep. That's what it that's is. That's it. That's it. Uh, okay. So stage combat slash swords. I'll just let you like whatever, which you like you well, talk however, but let's just start. Let's take it back. Okay. Let's start from the beginning. Okay. Your beginning. Okay. When was it that you fell into this love with stage combat slash swords? How it happened? What does that mean? Blah, blah, blah. Well, the swords, the swords are just the tool. Okay. Like, it doesn't... That was a unintended side effect mm-hmm. of... Beca- of from falling in love with stage combat and um, like stage combat in and of itself opened up to a lot of other things, mm-hmm. um, both socially and intellectually or whatever. But um, so swords just became the obsession with like the history and all of that stuff was just because of that. And so 
that's just like I said, a byproduct. Mm -hmm. But stage combat specifically um, was uh, I started learning when I was fourteen ish. Mm -hmm. um, I joined the Renaissance Festival. One of the things that they teach you, they have a human chess match. Uh, it's a stage show where they write a huge, badly played game of chess um, where all of the people in the cast are pieces mm -hmm. on the board. Um, if you've been to a Renaissance Festival, nine times out of ten they have one. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, then they fight with, you know, swords, uh, quarterstabs, hand-to-hand, uh, -hand, whatever. And... Uh, and that's your show. And then, of course, if you've ever been to a Renaissance Festival, there are also sword fighting shows and all this other stuff. So um, they teach you that. And when I was 14, um, I took my first, like, I went to the training for it because I was interested. I was really bad at it. Mm -hmm. um, it is incredibly hard. The people that are good at it, um, which I've never seen you do it, so, like, I, I suspect <laughs> that you're very good at it, but... When I say those who are very good at it, make it look so incredibly easy. I would definitely agree with that. Like, um, stage combat is a lot like uh, dancing. Mm -hmm. And I was also very bad at dancing mm -hmm. when I was a child. Uh, the people who do really well with it are just really hyper aware of their body, how they move, and usually have taken, like, have dancey mm -hmm. backgrounds. And then you have some people who, uh, like, everybody's different. Like, knowing your body, like, this is where it gets, like, philosophically. Because by this point, so I started when I was 14. I didn't get my first performance fight for three years, which is not necessarily normal. Mm -hmm. um, most of the people that um, I know who went through, like, maybe it might take a year or so. Mm-hmm. But almost everybody gets a fight, like, within that time. I did not. Mm -hmm. And um, after I got my first fight, I was still, like, the next year I didn't get a fight again. But the year after that, I did get a fight. And then it something clicked, mm -hmm. like, with how it was supposed to work. And I just got better. Now, uh, I've been doing it for 20 years, and I teach it. Mm -hmm. um, and from teaching it, thing that you can all, like, there's a weird philosophy that kind of goes into it, or at least that I apply to it, which is, um, like, very much how people see themselves and feel in their bodies, like, has a direct, impactful, like, effect on their ability to just perform, mm -hmm. like, stage combat, because it requires, like, it's an extension. You have to be so hyper-aware so that you know that you don't hurt somebody else, mm -hmm. but... Um, but yeah, I started when I was 14, uh, and then through the Renaissance Festival just, uh, started doing the chess match, um, then started doing, like, the stage shows, comedy shows, went up from there until, you know, became a fight director, started writing the shows, started teaching, mm -hmm. um, then becoming the director and doing the whole shebang. Mm -hmm. So, that's how it started. So then, where is it now? Like, what are you doing now with it in your life? Uh, what I'm doing now with it is, um, I still teach. Um, I'm still a director at the Renaissance Festival. 
cast director specifically, I don't, that way nobody gets confused with the entertainment director. I don't hire acts for the Renaissance Festival. Yeah. I direct and write shows for the cast and assist the entertainment director. Um, but uh, because of that, I got hired as an, I got hired as an independent act, so I have my own stage show now, which is very exciting, so I get to travel around. It is a music-based show, which is not stage combat, but we are going to eventually um, make that happen, so that's mm -hmm. exciting. Um, outside of that, I teach or have taught, like, workshops and um, classes and stuff. I helped a friend of mine <clears throat> finesse... Uh, his stage combat show um, up in Kentucky, mm -hmm. and uh, which was a Viking show, just helped him. Uh, he already has like a crazy martial arts background, um, but just helped him enough to learn a, the basic philosophy of like the standardized stage combat system, which is um, I refer to it as the international standard because it doesn't have a name outside of that. There's only the schools or like people that teach it mm -hmm. in each country and for North America it's the Society of American Fight Directors. Okay. Um but teach him that curriculum just so he could take all of his knowledge and then apply it to where it was more um compatible with other festivals if he traveled around. Mm -hmm. So, uh that's what I'm doing now outside of that um I mean there's just constantly researching and looking up more, um, trying to expand your skill because the philosophy in and of itself is like a skeleton. Like you learn this uh, way of this technique and that's really it. But outside of that, if you don't learn other styles of fighting mm -hmm. and things like that, um, then you kind of pigeonhole yourself into this only one like area mm -hmm. so which is why people with martial arts backgrounds are great for stage combat mm -hmm. if they can break themselves from the correct way to do it mm -hmm. because they're more likely to hurt someone yeah that's so that's what I was going to bring up like ask you next because I know you're not like an athletic person that's the nicest thing <laughs> <laughs> you are correct yeah um so I didn't know if, like, being so interested in stage combat and, like, you do it a lot, um, if you, like, have any experience in, like, actual, like... Oh, like, actual, Actual, yeah. like, fighting... Yeah. Um, uh, yes. I was a, uh, fat child. And, um, there's no... Or, I'm... Yeah, no, I was chonky. Like I was Olo. <laughs> Let's say it. Yeah, like you were fat. I was I was a fat kid. Um, thick. I was definitely thick. Mm. I ate all of my dinner more yes. than once. Yeah. Um, little garbage disposal. I remain a garbage disposal, so that's fine. <laughs> um, but my parents, in their infinite wisdom, decided to enroll me in like everything. Yeah. So. I did um, none of which I was good at, mm -hmm. which is important to just specify there. But from kindergarten to the eighth grade, I did ballet, I did tap, I did gymnastics, I did um, uh, taekwondo, 
I did Taekwondo for like six years. I made it up to the black belt test and didn't pass. And I was like, all right, I'm good. Um, I did uh, judo. I did a little bit of jujitsu, aikido, hapkido, um, which were more like workshop summer classes kind of yeah. things. But I did them. I did uh, soccer uh, for a summer. I did uh, roller hockey for a summer. I was on the basketball team. I'm okay. five feet tall. <laughs> like, I was also a cheerleader for like two weeks. That checks out. Yeah. <laughs> During all of it, I yeah. remained fat. Okay. Um, because I think they forgot to look at my family. I don't know body type. Yeah. I come from peasant stock. Like we are hardy. Yeah. Like, we are meant to be toiling in the fields and. Uh, that's what our bodies were made for. Like, yeah. we are solid, stout people. So I don't know what they were trying to achieve. <laughs> um, but what I did learn is that when I did martial arts, like, one, I loved judo. Mm-hmm. Judo was really fun because uh, because I am five feet tall. That means my center of gravity is much lower. And judo is all about um, using larger opponents, like your opponent's momentum against you, mm-hmm. like against them. So... Uh, being able to throw someone who is twice the height of me was uh, a thrill. Also, <laughs> once you got them down on the ground, it didn't mm-hmm. matter how tall they were. Oh, yeah. Um, also, I'm dense in more ways than one. But uh, <laughs> so uh, I'm a lot heavier than yeah. I think people expect sometimes. So that was cool. Um, when I did Taekwondo, um, I went to like tournaments and stuff like that. And um, the only way I got through my belt certifications and stuff like that was uh because I knew all of the information and sparring the actual forms like technique and stuff garbage yeah garbage but I could count in Korean and um I knew the history and all that stuff and then I got away with it by being a nerd and then uh doing the sparring yeah and I loved sparring yeah I might have been like the ADHD, like getting all of that energy out, mm-hmm. or just um, human contact. <laughs> um, that's that's a therapist session right there. But <laughs> it was just fun, like having all of this energy and being able to like expend it all out without actually like hurting the person. Yeah. And then like, there's also something very satisfying about being hit. Like, so I have heard, I have never, well, okay, that's, that's a a lie. So like in volleyball, yeah, I like, I got hit. I definitely have brain damage from (laughs) the amount of times that I got absolutely just crushed in the face or in the head or wherever, you know, you start to see stars and like whatever. And like, I will say like, it's not like fun, but like, yeah, there's something about it that you're just kind of like. Okay, let's do this. There's <laughs> like, like a, a dull. I'm not saying that I enjoy getting hurt because I don't. I don't. Yeah. But there is like um, there's like a, a thud that like, on your body that like, it's like when you chest bump or when like your whole when they, like, uh-huh. you hug someone and they like thwap your back or something yeah. like that. Like there's just something very when you are petting a dog who is particularly like chonky and you like. You like, like pat his like hind quarters. I do that and to Joaquin like, all the time. Like a good steak. Yes. Like there's just 
I don't know, there's something very satisfying about it. And it's, um, I don't know, it kind of like makes, maybe makes you feel like you're not, you're capable of surviving, but like you, it's like a reaffirmation of your, of your, of your ability to withstand. Uh huh. Um, and as someone who plays Dungeons and Dragons (laughs) and almost constitution is my highest stat, like almost always, I feel like that is very directly like indicative of that. Absolutely. Um, I believe in lots of hit points. (laughs) And so, uh. And so when I did the sparring and would go to the tournaments, um, I would lose. Yeah. Because I was a five-foot chubby girl. Yeah. Um, who was bad at martial arts. Yeah. It, like, because there were other girls um, who were also chubby and little and could, like, kick my ass. Yeah. Um, but uh, I loved it, and it was weird. Um, I just liked... I liked to grapple, and I liked mm-hmm. to fight. Yeah. Um, I did not like to hurt people. I did not like to be hurt, but there was something about the tussle. Mm-hmm. In the same way in gym, when you, like... Yeah. I don't know if you went to a southern high school, but, like... Or not high school, but grade school. Uh, we towel wrestled. Coach no. Dean. He was a weird kid. Uh, what? But, yeah, it's where you have to hold... You have two people, and you have a, there's a towel in the middle of you, and you have to hold on, and then you have to, you essentially have to get the towel out of the other person's hand without letting go. That's what we do. Okay. All right. No, it sounds fun. I would do it, honestly. It's just, I think I just remember it because he called it wrestling. Towel wrestling. Towel wrestling. Towel wrestling. Towel wrestling. Towel wrestling. That sounds like a J.R.R. Tolkien name. Towel wrestling. He's an elf, very yes. clearly. Oh, obviously. Clearly. So, but yeah, so uh, I do have a history of both dance and martial arts, which helped me with, like, the mechanics of learning. Mm-hmm. And martial arts at least gave me a library of moves. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is that most people, if they have a history of um, martial arts, uh you have that uh, reflexive muscle memory. Mm -hmm. So you are trained to literally hurt and to that kind of deal. So when someone is trying to get you to forget all of that and do something completely different, that's really hard. Most of the injuries incurred in stage combat, at least when I'm, uh, like, in my experience in classes, uh, have been with provided by people who have martial arts backgrounds yeah and the people who have been the quickest most adept to pick up have been dancers mm-hmm. that um, completely makes sense yeah because i mean it's choreography mm-hmm. it's solidly choreography so uh but also because i started at 14 so still developing mm-hmm. um going through the training consistently for a long period of time um, people who pick it up later, um, despite me not being, uh, athletically inclined, which I am not, I think I am in fact, though, high constitution because my ability, I can withstand the more, um, uh, uh, difficult techniques and training things that other people who are in better shape than me Mm -hmm. cannot do just because, like, my entire body has been actually specifically honed for this purpose. Yeah. It's not real sports. 
But I like, but it looks like real yeah, sports. Yeah, that's all that matters. It 100% That's is. all that matters. It's Speaking of looking like something, looking like real sports, I don't know where I was that. going with that. It does kind of tie in, but um, this is a little off topic from stage combat and mm-hmm. stuff like that, um, but also not at the same time. Um, And I'm only bringing it up because I have zero experience with this thing. I don't know anyone except for maybe you. Mm -hmm. I don't know anyone that does it LARPing. Oh, yeah. When that comes... So, like, (laughs) when that... Um, Is is LARPing choreographed? Is it completely... No. Okay. But it it does tie. It does tie. Okay, okay. So... What I assume you're talking about is Boffer Sword, which is the foam swords and stuff like that. Yeah, I didn't know there was others. <laughs> so, LARPing... When I think of LARPing, all I think about is every Sunday, if you go to the park... Yeah, 100%. You yeah. drive by, yep. and there is just a field full, and I love it. We always field slow down. Yeah. And... <laughs> um, okay, so have... So LARPing is, um, okay, so if there is tabletop <laughs> role-playing, right, yeah. and there's online gaming, yeah, LARPing is a type of that. So, like, there are different video games, there are different tabletop RPGs, mm-hmm. there are different LARPs. Okay. So you can, and, so, and a lot of times they will overlap. Like, there's a Vampire the Masquerade tabletop, you can Vampire LARP. Like, it's similar. And it's just, it's a different style of role-playing. It's just more immersive than tabletop. Renaissance festivals are what I have, are what I fondly refer to as professional LARPs. Yeah. Which is where you dress up as a character, and you are essentially live-action role-playing throughout the day as this character reacting. Um, It is, uh, that's what it is. Yeah. There are combat mechanics within LARPing for mostly, like, D&D-style stuff. Um, If it has a name, I am unaware of it other than, like, we call it boffer sorting Mm -hmm. because it's called, it's a boffer sword. Um, Have I done that? Yes. Okay. Do I own some? Yes. Uh, Have I LARPed? Yes. It does tie in. It is not choreographed. Okay. But I actually use boffer swords as a training technique when okay. I teach. Um, because um, it's that hyper-aware of your body thing. Yeah. And the thing that I see the most is that when you have someone new who has never picked up a sword before will want to almost immediately be uh, the guy from Assassin's Creed. Mm -hmm. And this is like a sweet basement dweller who has never spoken to someone he finds attractive, like, ever, and uh, gets nervous, like, hand sweats Uh at the thought of human interaction and or, like, confrontation, but immediately wants to grab because swords have this magical ability that as soon as you grab one, you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm a badass. I believe in these things. Um, the first time I ever held a sword, well, it was a 
you know the term my mind is blanking because I have two brain cells left. Um, but they use it in fencing. Uh, epe? Epe blade? Like a, it's either a saber, an epe, maybe a rapier? A rapier. Oh, okay. So, uh, I took stage combat in college. Nice. Um, for, cause I was theater. a theater kid, mm. theater major, yeah, um, and so I took stage combat and the first time I ever held a sword was the rapier in stage combat. And that is the closest thing to a, like a, like a sword sword mm-hmm. that I've ever like held. And even that. I remember when we got it, I was like, oh, fuck. Your whole like, body posture changes. I like, am going to fuck someone up. I don't care if I'm on school property. Someone's getting slashed. Uh, so what they taught you in college is what I teach. Yeah, that's um, what I figured. And um, un- except for there are a couple places that teach, like, their own curriculum. But uh, most people teach Society of American Fight Directors. Um, the whole... That, yeah, so when people hold a sword for the first time, like, with the intent to look like a badass with it, because that is the only purpose of stage combat is to look like a badass. Not granted, I say badass, but, like, is to entertain. It is to look competent with it Mm -hmm. or or to give the illusion that you're incompetent with it, Mm -hmm. Um, which that's, like... If you get to the point that you love performing with the sword, no matter what your uh, your character is, like, winning or losing, mm-hmm. like, that's peak. Yeah. Like, I, because my favorite thing to do is lose. Mm-hmm. I love okay, having the crap kicked out of me on stage. So there you go. <laughs> this is, uh, this is becoming weird. It's the mm-hmm. notes for therapy. No, that's fine. <laughs> that, that'll be episode two. Next time I have you on, we're going to... After I've talked about... Talk this about... is what we've unlocked. Yeah. Um, but I use the boffer swords. Um, one, because boys don't listen. Yeah. Uh, I don't... I'm not a generalist most of the time, but um, I 100% of the time, if someone's swinging around a sword, it's a boy. Yeah. Um... And so what I have them do is I have them grab the boffer sword. And before I teach them any kind of techniques or any of the curriculum, I have them go wail on each other Mm -hmm. naturally. And the thing is, is you will find that sometimes, like, these very skittish people will be natural aggressors. Mm -hmm. That will help me, like, know how to teach them. Or, or finesse their character and their fight so that they are performing at, um, they are in the best light that they can be. Mm-hmm. Um, where you have some people who are like, I want to be the Assassin's Creed guy, but they're too scared, which is not a bad thing. Yeah. Defensive, like, folks stay alive. Like, mm-hmm. there's, you know, but they'll try to be aggressive through their own lens so they're trying to be defensively aggressive, and they don't yeah. know how to do it. They're not... They just need to be true to themselves instead of trying to pretend to be someone that they're not. Mm-hmm. Which is a whole... I get this whole speech about it in class, and I'm like, this is not going to feel like therapy, but it is. I was like, I require you. Like, you have to know who you are as a person and what your natural instincts are. And most people don't go that deep. Like, they're just like, these are your numbers. Like, yes. Yeah. But, um... 
But yes, we use boffer swords. It's fun. And um, sometimes you will find that like some of the quietest people are the most vicious. And it's oh yeah, fantastic. I'm not surprised at all. Unleash the bloodlust. I love that. So that, that we're talking about stage combat. Mm-hmm. But you did bring up swords, I and did. we have been talking about swords, it's and um, I do think it's really important that we talk about your sword collection. I see. This is why. I, I, this is why I originally suggested my apartment because I know they're everywhere, and we'd have a good picture. It's fine. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it we'll out. Figure that out. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I want to hear about. I want to hear about your sword collection. I want to hear about um, mm. when was okay. Start here first sword you ever got like you owned owned um, um bonus points if you if it's like oh this is the first one that i owned and still have i own i have all of the ones that i've ever owned okay the first one that i ever owned was a starfire 36 inch uh leaf blade starfire is the company uh, leaf blade is, just means that it's Celtic and shaped mm-hmm. like a leaf. 36 inches is how long it is. The, the company Starfire is one of three companies that we tend to use, uh, for stage combat weapons that are really reliable and really well made. It's them, Starfire, um, Baltimore Knife and Steel, and um rogue steel mm-hmm. and those are the ones that uh rogue steel is the one that most uh colleges use okay. um because they're um they're just really good uh solid weapons um so that was the first one i ever owned i feel like my collection grew exponentially since then because um i'm an easy uh gift giver like person to give gifts to gift receiver gift receiver so um boys that i've dated um have given me i got a um a five foot bardish axe um which is a russian uh like pole arm that uh for valentine's day once i recently got a um a falcata which is uh like a pre-roman iberian sword uh then one of my friends actually the guy who taught me who was my very first fight director mm-hmm. um who hated me when he first met me um because i was i was 14 i was really you obnoxious were a little shit. i, I am it. only slightly more manageably obnoxious now but we ended up becoming like really good friends and i ended up being in his wedding mm-hmm. and uh and when he moved to New York with his wife, um, he gave me his sword collection. Oh. Um, so I had a lot of um, older swords from that. Um, people people will give me swords. Mm-hmm. Um, outside of that, I bought a lot. I have a custom pair of uh, Tolwar, which are a, um, a Persian, looks kind of like a... Um, like a sham shear okay. it's a if we <laughs> it is i discovered like from the tolwar and so this actually ties back to the stage comment <laughs> this is i told you they, we they knew are, it we they it, it all comes together it's enmeshed so once you've learned the techniques of 
of stage combat, of Society of American Fight Directors, of the technique and the philosophy, right? Um, of which you now know is just a methodology. It is a way to apply a certain type of fighting in a consistent way so and body parts are kind of numbered mm-hmm. areas so that you know if you're attacking at a one or a four you know where the attack is coming from mm-hmm. that's it outside of that and like minor footwork mm-hmm. it's just giving you labels for that your knowledge beyond that requires you to do your own research so that research starts when you buy a sword mm-hmm. so if you are fighting with a rapier, mm-hmm. which is what they tend to teach you with, but there's English style fencing, mm-hmm. there is um, Spanish style front, uh, fencing, Italian style, and then there are like there's German style. Each of those has different uh, approaches to uh, how you fight. So. I tend to like Balinese or Italian darty school style fencing, um, which became Distressa, which is the uh, Spanish style fencing, which you see in the Mask of Zorro. When you have, like, the circles of engagement. Mm -hmm. So that's Distressa. So English style fencing and, like, French fencing and stuff like that fight in a line. Mm -hmm. So it's just, it's linear. It's this way, this way. And then um, the Italians had this crazy idea of, like, well, if you're going this way, what if I literally just stepped here? Now I can stab your body. Mm-hmm. Like, and it became offline. And then that morphed into, you know, uh, the circles of engagement thing. All of that knowledge came from buying a rapier. Mm-hmm. So when I was gifted my bardiche, uh, I looked up how like what it was used for and it turns out that the bardiche was not actually like a super martial weapon it was a pole arm that was used in uh like the russian military to it has a spike at the end and it had like a little uh nook up at the top so Uh that you would jam it into the snow and they would use it as a tripod for their rifles oh right super cool and so you can't just grab a weapon like a tolwar uh, which is a curved sword, mm-hmm. and fight with it like a rapier. Yeah. Because it is tip-heavy, it was never meant to be fought with like that. Yeah. So you have to do the research for it. So that's when you look up, um, like, so Tolwar are used in Sikh martial arts. Mm-hmm. And so you look up that, and then you learn moves from that, and then you apply that stage combat methodology to it Mm -hmm. so that you are moving the sword the way it was meant to be moved Mm -hmm. and then if you're me you read that and you're like oh that's really cool um how where did the tolwar come from and Mm -hmm. then you go back and then you realize that like viking age swords are like super straight there's this long period of like only straight swords and then all of a sudden they get curvy but then if you go before the straight swords, there are curvy swords again. Mm-hmm. So then you research that, and it becomes this whole thing <laughs> where you find out that, like, the Celts in the, like, Latin uh, culture had early moved into Spain, which is why they have the Falcata and why they have the, um, uh, uh, 
what would end up becoming the gladius. Yeah. Which is why that became the arming sword. Then while they're doing that, you have the uh, the Xiongnu from China who use the Dao who are at the same time moving down and their curvy Dao sword is connecting with these different weapons from different uh, eras and countries and morphing them. So when the, um, it's called the Killage. Mm-hmm. If you watch Forged in Fire, you will oh, see all of these. The Killage is one I of have them. seen um, episodes. Uh, I like to watch Forged in Fire because uh, I will watch it and then I will, like, I usually watch it with uh, my boyfriend and then we'll, uh, before they give the rundown on the weapon, I'll be like, is it this, 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 this? And then I'll be like, yes, I'm right. Um... <laughs> But, uh, so the Killage, when it met with, like, the Vikings, it became a falchion. So now we have the falchion. And then when it met with the Persians, then you got the Tolwar, and you get uh, the Shamshir, mm-hmm. and you get, when it met with the Russians, you get the Shashka. And all of these swords look alike. And it's, yeah. so you can historically tell what period of time this culture touched and sometimes they would touch a culture then leave for hundreds of years and touch it again and there would be it's like a periodic table of elements i love it it's it's it's, so cool and it's all and it's one of the most uh uh very real life ways that i watched there be a visible easily traceable show of cause and effect of mm. cultures meeting and so because of all that while well, all these swords are just kind of like of evolution it's like watching it with like organic creatures only it's swords um and because of that same migration um and the huns uh that's why like the um there are two styles of uh muslim faith mm-hmm. um and the indian golden age and all that kind of deal mm-hmm. so all of that stuff was happening at the same time but all of that comes through the fact that in order to, like, grow your skill as a stage combatant, you have to research what that weapon was meant to do and how it was meant to be fought. Mm-hmm. And by learning that, not only are you anthropologically, like, expanding your uh, horizons yeah. and your, you know... Brain. Ability. Yes. <laughs> you are also... Um, just, like I said, increasing and finessing your skills. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, a dude who would end up influencing, like, the evolution of stage combat was doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like, he did a showcase of people uh, sparring with these, like, ancient weapons, but they weren't... Other people had tried and done it with, like, the way that they fenced now. Yeah. And it looked wrong. So he did the, the history and stuff like that. And he ended up writing a book called uh, Cold, Cold Steel, which is uh, still one of the most, uh, one of the original formative works that would end up uh, influencing the people who created the, like, international standard mm-hmm. for stage combat. That is so interesting. That's, like, I love history and I love, like, everything that surrounds, like, you know, like, Ren Fairs and D&D nerdy shit. Like, I love all of it. I love the idea of owning swords. But, mm-hmm. like, 
I don't have any like real interest in like, oh, I gotta get myself a sword. Like I need to have, one. you know, whatever. But then just like hearing all of that, like the whole time I'm just like, whoa, this is so fucking cool. <laughs> like it's bizarre. Like I didn't, I mean, I literally had the thought while I was moving into my like new apartment unit or whatever that I should probably stop buying them because they're very heavy and I, it just takes a lot. But the thing about stage combat too is that like you can increase, like expand your discipline. So you don't have to just stick with like bladed weapons. Mm -hmm. You can do hand to hand, um, uh, whip. Yeah. Which is whip. And then that it's a slippery slope. Once you learn how to crack a whip, then you go into knife throwing. I was just going to ask if you can do knife throwing or axe throwing or anything. I, um, I am better at whip targeting than I am knife throwing. Uh, I have, uh, sets of throwing knives. I practice, I have a board and all that kind of deal because once you're a carny, you're always a carny. Um, <laughs> that's just how it is. I also, because of this, learned how to fire breathe and yes. all that kind of deal. So I can, I am not as good at throwing as I am with a whip. Okay. I was going to say, I've seen the videos of you with a whip, but I have never seen anything of you throwing knives or anything. Um, yeah, it's mostly just because, uh, if I am practicing, it is with my partner and he is insanely good at it, Mm -hmm. uh, to the point that it's annoying. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I just, I, I have to remain equals with him. So I get the whip which he's not as great at. Perfect. So it's... We love to see it. Okay, well, we are just almost at an hour. Is there anything else that you would like to um, say when it comes to stage combat or, you know, just swords or just, like, you know, like, Renfair stuff in general? I think, like, also now is a good time to talk about stuff like that anyways because you're getting ready to... I am. The Nashville show... Yeah, the Tennessee Renaissance Festival. My thing, I guess, with stage combat in general is, like... Because I I refrained from going into the history Mm -hmm. of it. Um, Which is... Like and comment for part two. Um, That'll be on the Patreon. It has to do with um, the Haynes Code and Ethics Code in the early 1930s in silent movies. And then, oh, that totally makes sense. Right, and then the movie's becoming hyper-violent after 1969 when we adopted the regular uh, ratings system uh-huh. that we have now. So that was a whole thing. Which I... is why old movies with uh-huh. uh, Errol Flynn and stuff like that are mostly about where they're fighting and it's more stunt-based than it is actual swordplay mm-hmm. and more witty banter, stuff yeah. like that. As someone who is a fond lover of horror... Um, I am incredibly interested in the, that whole rating system, like... Yeah, yeah, that'll be, that'll be, that'll uh, be sorry, that two. is, like, yeah. a um, whole well, other conversation. I would definitely, yeah, uh, no, no lack of content here. Uh, but as far as the stage combat things goes, um, I don't know, I think everybody's got a thing. Just mm-hmm. something that, like, and especially if you're a theater kid, like, there's something about being perceived... Mm-hmm. as adeptly entertaining mm-hmm. and also a nerd. So, like, there's a weird level of, like, even if 
the character that you're playing is bad at sword fighting or something like that. There's a level of badassery, and it just, it's just fun. Mm. It just fulfills, I don't know, I think, like, an ancient, like, you know how everybody's, like, related to uh, Genghis Khan, Mm -hmm. like, a little bit? Like, some part of my little Genghis Khan, like, DNA, which was meant to, like, be in the Mongolian horde and just fucking tearing it up, is very, very satisfied. Whatever little barbarian part of me is uh, just <laughs> shackled by capitalism and, yeah. you know, the nine to society. five. Society and the patriarchy. I get to fucking throw down like, yeah. with a sword, even if it's preemptively, because then we can make it as brutal as we want with no negative consequences. Yeah. Like... I can I can be as brutal and like bloodlusty and then immediately shake that person's hand and be like, all right, cool, I'll see you next week. <laughs> um, which is just uh, inherently satisfying. And the fact that like it's very gladiator, where mm-hmm. like you are performing for the mob and what you do, like the mob controls Rome. So like the fact that people like flip out and scream your name and like you can hold a sword up in the end like you are in a movie even if it's just even if it's just LARPing and it's just you know your people are on the sidelines but there is something about that that's just like I love it super vindicating and it literally doesn't matter about anything else downside I have had two concussions from being like (laughs) on face smashed with a shield mm-hmm. that part sucks yeah um Worth i've had it. friends who've gotten stabbed yep um but oh, that's yeah. the other thing like if you get stabbed you're like i was stabbed with a sword yeah like i also you know if push comes to shove and i ever you know get out of the get out of the game <laughs> i have like a decent down payment for a house like i could just sell my swords and oh yeah that would be also, I think it's an it would investment. Be fun. If I ever had children and they wanted to bring like someone home to date, and they would have to like walk these like torch lined hallways with like swords, they would assume that it was the dad, and there's just this tiny, angry little gremlin. You yes, like just they're mine. Yeah, that's exciting. I love that. For or you. like if someone delivers pizza. Mm, like, that too. Dates or pizza. I'm fine. We need them all scared. Okay, that is what we have learned today. Or give someone else. Also, there's like, it's very satisfying giving someone else a sword, oh, and yeah. watching it like, or a weapon. Like sometimes it's axes, sometimes yeah. it's a giant polearm, sometimes it's a dagger, uh, or sometimes it's their hand, bare hands. Mm-hmm. Um, but giving them that opportunity to like unleash, I'm sure, what is like, whatever feral emotions we have like deep inside. Deep. In a very safe and entertaining environment mm-hmm. where they control the perception, you know, yeah. of the audience. It's theater. It's just it's fucking theater. theater. It's, it's 100% just, just theater. Yeah. It's just niche. Just niche I love theater. It. I absolutely fucking love it. I'm I love it. really sad that um, I won't be able to go to the Ren Fair this year because... Oh, because I scheduled I you? I for you. <laughs> and so since you... <laughs> have to go. I 
I, I, I can't it's go. It's true. It's true. Um, I'll send you YouTube fine. videos of like all the old okay, ones. Okay, that's they're, fine. They're bad. That's fine. You could, or you could, if you could just live stream the whole day for me while I'm at work, I'll like watch it and be like, oh, perfect. I'll, I'll see what I can do. Um, okay, well, before we say goodbye for reals, um, is there anything that you'd like to plug, shout out? Um, I mean, Tennessee Renaissance Festival starts. Yeah. Um, there's no chess match this year, so that part sucks because of the pandemic, mm-hmm. but there's at least one sort of fighting show. It's not me, but, uh, it is one of the people who taught me, um, the Buckle and Swash show, and then my, uh, baby show, Inception show, uh, The Barbarians, uh, which is a musical, of course it's Barbarians, yep. you know, mm-hmm. uh, musical comedy show where we butcher the songs you know and love. Love it. Um, but outside of that, it's every weekend in May, starting May 8th up until Memorial Day Monday. You can only buy tickets online. If you Google it, um, you can find it, but outside of that, um, oh, I'll plug foam pool noodles. Okay. Because you can use those. Uh, in place of bobber weapons. <laughs> just want to beat the crap Very out of good someone. to know. Okay, well, on that note, say goodbye, Krista. Bye. As usual, I want to give a big thank you to Shelby Robinson, who did the artwork, and Nick Stoiku, who did the intro and outro music that you're listening to. All their links are going to be in the description. And most importantly, thank you for actually listening to this podcast. And be sure to check back next week for a new episode. See ya.